Welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Onshore podcast. A big shout out to Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of the oil and gas industry. Hey everybody, I want to take a quick minute to tell you something that I'm really excited about. I've recently teamed up with Hitched Inc., one of the biggest and fastest growing tech startups in oil and gas. You've probably seen them all over LinkedIn. From generators to light towers, pumps to forklifts, use Hitch to pair your company with reliable rental suppliers and eliminate the hassle of logistics through the use of an in-app platform. Hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to schedule a demo. Welcome to this week's episode. We're here at the Canon with Romina Mirtai, Technical Account Manager at Tartan Completions. Romina, how are you doing this lovely, cold, brisk Friday morning? <laughs> Hi, Justin. Yeah, it's pretty cold today. <laughs> yeah. Doing well, doing well. I was waiting for the podcast. We've been talking about this for a while. I know. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me here today. Yeah. Appreciate it. No, you're so welcome. I've wanted to have you on for a while. And, you know, it, we're both busy. We're both in sales. And so we finally made it happen. Definitely. You told me how nervous you were. So the funny thing is, is the people who tell me how nervous they are end up doing a really good job. I hope it's my case. <laughs> yeah, no, you'll be fine. I know you've been preparing, you've been taking notes. You sent me a list of things that we need to talk about. So I think this will this will be easy. But, you know, it's important to talk about your story and you have a really unique story, which I want to touch on first. But before we get going, if you'd like, please support the show. Do me a huge favor. Subscribe. And just take a few minutes to leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Any feedback is welcome and appreciated, good or bad. I had a gentleman reach out to me last night, actually. And on the other podcast that I do is a technical drilling fluids podcast. And a good buddy of mine had an interview. And he said that in the interview, he was remembering things that we talked about in the drilling fluids podcast, along with even some things that we talk about on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And so he thanked me and he just said, you know, thanks for everything that you do, for all the information that you share. And I said, don't thank me, thank the people that I have on the podcast, because they're the ones explaining and sharing information and helping everybody learn. And so that's the goal is to just, you know, just to provide information that people can learn from. And whether it's motivating, or whether it's technical information, or changes people's perception, or, you know, way of thinking about different things, it's super gratifying. And so having you on here is extremely exciting for me because you have a, such a unique background coming from Albania, right? Yes, Albania. Albania. And you, you know, you've got an interesting journey, which I'll let you touch on. But how you and I met was through Mark LaCour, right? That's right. Yeah. Mark how did, how mm-hmm. did we, how did that happen? <laughs> I forget. Well, actually, I was kind of like a normal day of work and I always like the way I think is what's the next thing I should do? How is the industry going right now? Yeah. So the new thing and has been like very successful are podcasts, as you know. So I was like, well, let me search who are the best podcasts right now. And mm-hmm. I just researched like the top oil and gas podcast and comes up oil and gas this week, comes oil and gas onshore, yeah. all these podcasts and they are owned by OGGN. So I was like, okay, let me see who is the owner, Mark Lacour. So I found that he has different events at the Canon where mm-hmm. we are here today. Yes. And I just come and I attend one of his events one time. And then I go and I talk to him and I was like, hey, Mark, I know we don't know each other, but I would like to get you for lunch one day and let's get to know each other <laughs> that yeah. way. And he's like, sure, let's do it. 
So we, we went for lunch, we talked, and then during the conversation, Mark was telling me all the stories that he has been helping people, mentoring people, and all he does, like his purpose in general is to help people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Ramina, maybe this is your moment, is what I was thinking. Yeah. And I just go and ask the hard question. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Mark, would you be my mentor? Yeah. And he actually says exactly this. It's like, oh, you can really ask, ask the hard questions. And he's like, it's why you are in sales. <laughs> right. That's so true. So I was like, take your time. You don't need to answer me now. But I would really like for you to be my mentor. I really believe that people need to have a guidance in their career, in their life. It's always beneficial. Mm-hmm. So we just got to know each other more and talk about my background, what I was doing. And Mark actually didn't take long. He just told me right there in that lunch that, you know what, I'm going to mentor you. Wow. And I was, I'm very grateful. It's been uh, probably three, four months that every two weeks we have phone calls or we meet and yeah. we just go through the what I need to learn more or things that he thinks that I need to improve. Mm-hmm. And it's been very beneficial. It's been great. Wow. I really, I really appreciate him. He has such a good heart. And I can say that, I mean, for almost anybody, anytime that I need to reach out to him. And so, cause you know, we work together being at OGGN. So anytime I have any issues or I need to bounce an idea off of him, I mean, I know how busy he is because when I talk to him, he's going a hundred miles an hour and you know, his phone's ringing, he's texting, he's got a thousand things going on and we've been at different events with each other and he just has a lot on his plate but he somehow finds ways to make time for people and you know perfect example yesterday i text him i said hey do you know xyz company i noticed we posted about them on the oggn linkedin and he messaged me within like a minute and he said yeah i know the ceo do you need do you need to talk to them or me or what and i said hey let's jump on a call because i had some specific questions about some things going on And, you know, he spent 20 minutes just talking to me. And I mean, again, it was kind of out of the blue. It wasn't like, hey, can you call me this afternoon? Or, hey, line up a meeting with me tomorrow. Like he jumped on a call with me right away. And so he's always willing to help people is what I'm trying to say. He's he's very fond uh, of you as well. Like, I'm I'm very, I'm very grateful he actually connected us. He's like, he was like, hey, Romina, you probably should consider a podcast. Let me introduce you to Justin. I was like, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, you were hesitant. And it was funny because when we met, I was like, you got to come on the podcast to be good. And people feel like they have to like have some sort of like outrageous credentials to come on this podcast. It's like, if you have any experience in oil and gas, or even if you don't have that much, just everyone has a story. And that's what I tell everybody, like everyone comes from a unique background that someone out there can relate to. And so that's why anyone can literally come on. Now, there's obviously some things that I look at to make sure that it makes sense for you know for the listeners to have someone come on. But so let's start off about your background. You came from Albania. Start off like what did your childhood look like? Because I, I don't know how many folks from Albania listen to the podcast. I don't think many. So why don't you explain and, and describe like what's it like growing up in Albania? So I would say I'm the first generation of democracy in Albania. Albania like was under communism for a long, long time. At the same time, that was the Cold War between the Eastern Bloc and America, I would say. Mm. So until 1990, that's the year actually I born, and I guess I kind of I'm, I'm the lucky generation that I didn't need to go through all the hard times of communism. Mm. Which the way I see it is kind of like just imagine a box. You have a box, and you put these people in this box, and you just like tell them what to do, and you control every their move, like their future, what they are supposed to do when they grow up, 
what they're supposed to eat today, what they're supposed to... I'm telling you, like, the simple things. In details, everything is controlled during communism. It's wow. not a good place to be. Hmm. My family, my brothers, like, they grew up on that. But I was lucky, I didn't. But I was during the transition time, like, after a communism always is a big, long transition. From 90 to 1997, we had a civil war in Albania. It was a small one, even that many people in Europe knew the revolution mm -hmm. wasn't that great. Yeah. But that's uh, the toughest part. It's, it's how countries get to evolve. You know, like the law during that time doesn't really work, like function as it needs to function. The economy is not really good. So people just, they do whatever they need to do to survive at that time. Right. So it took the it took the necessary time to actually like go through the transition and then things got got to be better of course but the main problems were safety so getting back to my childhood it was I'll say I was lucky compared to many people that at least let's say like I was able to go to school I was able to be safe and nothing bad happened to me because mm -hmm. many of my friends actually didn't have that luck they probably ended up in Italy or doing something else yeah. you know what I mean when I say that Yeah so yeah, after that, actually the civil war was right in the city I'm from. I'm from Vlor, Albania, which is in southeast of Albania. Okay. And then we moved for a better future, let's say. Like you move from one city to another where jobs are more. So we, we moved quite, quite a lot during my childhood. Yeah. And then in the end, when I went to university, there was everyone goes to University of Tirana. Albania is not that, it's not that huge. It's a small country. We are three million people in Albania, and okay. probably another three millions like outside Albania in the world, would say. Okay. So growing up, you said not a lot of your friends were lucky to, because you said you were relatively safe and you were able to go to school and stuff like that. So what did your parents do? My dad was a truck driver. Yeah, what they, kind of trucks? Like, um, like big like trucks? A, no, not a big truck, actually, like a regular one that just takes employees and how can you say it? Help me here, like take the employees from the miner and just drive them back to their house. Okay, so like transportation. Transportation, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting. My parents both wanted to go to school, but during communism, they weren't allowed to because the government, <laughs> would say, decided for them to not go to school. Is how it was back then. Okay. Yep, my uh -huh. mom was just... I mean, she was a housewife at the time, raising kids. So it was it was very tough for them. It wasn't like... But pretty much is how everyone in Albania was. After communism, everyone was the same level. Right. There were probably one or two percent of the people that were better off. And they were better off because they were probably in the government at the time and they had the chance to actually go out and get educated. But like I said, only two percent of that, not, really? not everyone. Wow, that's so hard to relate to, especially here. So I can imagine now that you're here looking back, it must be extremely eye-opening. And you must look at where you're at now as like so much opportunity because no one other than your employer and like maybe the government tells you, you know, you have to pay taxes or else, <laughs> you know, like little things like you must be extremely grateful to be Definitely. here versus over there. Definitely. It's how I felt when I came here. I'm like, it doesn't matter what I need to do. Like mm -hmm. if I have to do a random job or if I have to work 72 hours a week, which I did the first year when I came here, Yeah, I was like, it's way better because I have the opportunities. I can be anyone I want to be here. It's just enough that you work hard. Right. And in Albania, you do that. You do more than that. And still, you can't really get anywhere because 
you don't have the opportunities and it's a lot of corruption yeah. which <laughs> that hurts me a lot like trust me like yeah my goal one day is to really become someone and have the means that i can really help my people like probably go invest and bring opportunities for the people that are there right because albania is very rich like i mean rich in a sense has a lot of minerals has a lot of oil has a lot of natural gas like the means to become better and it's beautiful. It has a lot of diversity. You can find any kind of tourism you want there. You want to go at the beach, you can. You want to go to the mountains, you can. Like, mm. if you have time sometimes, just search it, look at some pictures, and you'll see that I'm not being subjective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I totally see what you're saying. So walk us through how coming from that life, and like you said, not very many people get opportunities. What separated yourself to get opportunity? You said you went to university. Then you came to the U.S. So how did that happen? There was a lot of sacrifice of my parents that I'm very grateful of. Like yeah. my for it, like my parents always like put me and my brothers as their priority. They worked hard and they were like, we want our kids to have the possibilities, opportunities that they lacked of. Mm. So them and actually my brothers as well, they're older than me. They had to go to immigration in Greece during the time because it was tough and they paid for my education. They made sure I was saved. They had to send, even though they couldn't afford it, they sent me to a private school during high school. And that was for wow. safety reasons. Mm. So I'm very grateful for that. And all the time I was like, I need to be able to make them feel proud of me. Like yeah. that's a lot of sacrifice that they put there. Mm -hmm. And I tried my best when I was in Albania, even that I have a master's in industrial chemistry and the industry in, in Albania is not very developed. Okay. Used to be during communism, but then got a toll after. So it was kind of like, yeah, I want to be a chemist. But at the same time, everyone was telling me, why you want to be a chemist? Like, you'll not find a job after. I was like, yeah, but I want to. Like, I had like a gut feeling. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's funny, but it's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I started it and then everyone is like, you are not going to find a job. Just go do something else or just go work something randomly. And I was like, you know what, if I have to work at the same time, and it's what I did, like work a full-time job and go to school, I'll do that. It's what it takes to be successful. It's what it takes to actually start something and finish it. That's, yeah. that's the way I think. Like if you start something, you got to finish it no matter what. And I actually realized it was a smart decision whenever I came here and everything happens for a reason. Probably I didn't get a chance to use it there in my country, but... I'm getting a chance to actually use it here. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a really good decision back then. I don't regret it. Yeah, no, most definitely. Are your parents still over there? Actually, me and my parents came here in 2015. Oh, okay, together. Together, my brothers are still in Albania, but my parents are here. The way I came here is because of my uncle. Ah, okay. He, he got, he's a diversity program that America has in different countries. It's like a lottery, they call it. Wow. So my uncle got that in 1997. And after you come here, you are eligible to bring your family. It took 15 years. It didn't happen overnight. Right. But it happened. And honestly, it happened whenever I didn't expect it. <laughs> not at all like so how did what does that look like what happened oh my i was 25 at the time i finished my master's in 2013 like two years before that and i was working at albacol was an italian call center okay i was working let's say 10 to 12 hours a day just to really like just go and make the money you need to survive is how it is over there mm -hmm. and i was i was to the point that i was like what is the purpose you know sometimes you get like I finished my school and now I'm working in something that doesn't have anything to do. And I was like, well, maybe those people were right. But I mean, it's when the big opportunity came, whenever I didn't expect it. Like one day 
Actually, I thought that only my parents got the opportunity to come here. I was, okay. I was taking them at the embassy for the interview and I just see this embassy officer coming out and he's like, you need to come in too. I was like, me? What? <laughs> that was a big surprise. He's like, yeah, you have to have your papers ready. There are a lot of procedures you have to prepare. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not ready. He's like, well, we're going to give you 10 days. Go get them ready and come back. So it's how the journey started. That was in December 2013. And then in March 2015, it's funny, you never forget the day. I'm sure. And you don't. March 16, 2015. Yeah. You know, what's funny <laughs> is I forget a lot of dates and some that I truly should remember. And my wife would hit me over the head sometimes because I do forget some <laughs> certain dates. But I remember the first day that I, you know, stepped foot on a drilling rig, August 14th, 2004. And so like, yeah, like that's something I never forget. And so it's interesting because like, those pivotal moments in your life, you're not focused necessarily on that day, but it's something that sticks with you. Like, what were you thinking at the time? Like, did you think, were you just so excited to get out of there or were you more nervous on like, I'm embarking on this journey. I've never set foot in, you know, in the United States. I don't know what I'm going to do. Or were you just like, anything is better than where I'm at. So I am excited. It was a mix of feelings. Because no matter what, it was my country, like I still had friends, I had my family, like still my brothers there. It was a mix of feeling. I was like, I'm scared, I don't know where I'm going. Like I had two parents with me that they don't speak English and my English at the time wasn't really good, to be honest. Okay. I was working for an Italian company, so it's kind of hard to keep up with like many languages at the same time. Yeah. And I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no plan, but I was like, just go do it and you're going to figure it out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's how it was. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about when you, you know, finally landed here in the U.S. What did you do? Like, I know you worked a couple different jobs before obviously getting into being a saleswoman in oil and gas. <laughs> what did that look like when you first got here? So when I first came here... I was in the woodlands, actually, living with my uncle was helpful at the beginning. Like, of course, you don't really have the means to, you don't have a credit to actually get an apartment, you know, mm -hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. So I just found, got the first opportunity I had at the moment, like was a job at the mall. <laughs> so I started to work there. And I mean, doing what I used to do before in Albania as well, like I used to do a lot of sales on the phone and I used to do a lot of customer service. And okay. the same, like the same time I was going to school, but I never really got to use my, my chemistry background, let's say. Mm -hmm. So I started to work at the mall a lot of hours in the beginning, just was like, get through this, learn how things are, get yeah. better with your English. That was the main goal as well. And the fact that I was direct communication with people that really helped and my English started to get better. It's not perfect. I'm sorry. Hey, I neither know. is mine. I still talk <laughs> funny. So it's totally cool. <laughs> <laughs> and where did where was it that you started working? Uh, the Woodlands Mall. Right, which where though? Uh, Victoria's Secret was nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> if I great. tell you the story how I got the job, you're probably gonna laugh at me. No, now you need to tell <laughs> us how did you get the job. So I guess it's a go-getter mentality. Like I was working at a kiosk in the beginning, and then I was like, well. I see that the store is busy and I want to work in a store. It was kind of like getting from the kiosk to the store at yeah. that point. Don't get me wrong. You probably wanted free undies, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or a good discount. That was too. That was too. <laughs> <laughs> so I just go get an application. Back then was the time that people were doing, like Victoria's Secret was still doing applications by hand, not actually like online. Right. So I get an application, I feel it, and then I go and I, I ask for the manager. Okay. And an associate was like, she's not here, but you can give the application to me. And I was like, no, no, no I want to talk to the manager. I'll come back. Mm -hmm. So I go back. I go back actually a couple of times till I find her. You're good. 
everyone be we, for the audience out there they're just people peeking in they're excited to see what's going on inside <laughs> the podcast world so one day the manager was available she comes out and i tell her look like you can hear i have a thick accent this means i'm not from here but i really like your store i like the way you guys work here i've asked around i've asked the people that work here and i want a chance i want to come and work for you mm-hmm. here's my application I don't know what it was, probably the way I approached her, but she was like, do you have time for an interview tomorrow? So I go for an interview. The fact that I speak Spanish too, that really helped because they were looking, they were looking for someone that speaks. Especially here, because there's a lot of, you know, folks who speak Spanish around here and in in the US in general, but the Southern United States, especially here in Texas is very popular. That's right. So yeah, that started the journey at Victoria's Secret and starting just work, grind, hustle. You know, I started to wonder why Victoria's Secret is going out of business or selling (laughs) and it's probably because you left. (laughs) <laughs> That's sad to see. And because I, I was, I heard on the Bloomberg News this morning that they're shutting, I think, like 53 stores and they're slowly like they going They changed out a of lot the ways they were doing business. Yeah, say. yeah. It's too bad. But oh well, on to new and better things. So you worked there. And then, like, what was the experience like working there? And more so, like, because you were obviously in Albania, you were working, dealing with people from that area. So you're used to a certain culture. What was it like in customer service dealing with? Americans? That's a good question. I would say that Americans in general are very nice people. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for that. I would say they are nicer sometimes than the Italian and Albanians that I dealt over there. More tolerant, okay. more willing to work with you. Huh. Yeah, that's yeah. good. At least that's my experience for sure. Mm-hmm. It's how it is in general when you do a customer service job or a sales job that like you're going to learn as you go with the client from the questions they raise, from the needs they have is how you actually learn how to provide the solution and you just grow with that. Yeah, most definitely. So how did you transition into oil and gas? So I was always looking for keeping my eyes open, looking for an opportunity. But 2015 that I landed here was during the downturn. You know it better than me. It wasn't, it wasn't the best time to actually get in oil and gas. Yeah. But it was my goal. So I was always like... So why oil and gas? Because of my uncle. Okay. And my, what does he do? He's an engineer. He used to work for Repsol. Ah, now yes. he's retired. Okay. Yeah. Like pretty much he came in America in 1997 and I grew up listening to these stories that he's in America working in oil and gas. He's successful. I was like, <laughs> I want to do that. Yeah. It was the American dream. Now with everyone out there wanting to get into renewables and and oil and gas, we have a black eye right now, but good for you for pursuing it instead of jumping into something else. Because there's so much opportunity and especially, you know, a woman from outside the United States to come and, and really want to do oil and gas is I think that's unique, but it's super cool. Oil and gas has a lot of things to offer. Yeah. It's not only what people see from outside, but oil and gas does so much good to people. Yeah. People that oil and gas helps and even like the issues of environment, environmental issues that people talk like there are, for example, Mark mentions a lot of like in his podcast as well, like a lot of good things that oil and gas companies are doing. Yeah. And actually, I mentioned to you before, we're going another topic now, but I'll just mention it a little bit. For example, Susan Morris that I mentioned, she's the co-founder of Belize Natural Energy. Mm -hmm. She's the first lady that found the oil in Belize. Yeah. Now she wants to find a way from the oil, chemistry oil of Belize. She wants to like get the waxing and from this waxing, she wants to actually start producing different cosmetics, lotions, like things that are environmentally friendly to people. Very cool. And the main goal is to show that, look, like it's not just fuel from 
hydrocarbons is way more mm. and people need to know that and we are responsible to do that because if we don't say anything if we don't talk for our own industry who else gonna do that yeah well if anyone out there thinks they can help on the cosmetic side with wax let us know and we'll hook you up with the right people yeah, that'll be awesome <laughs> definitely so uh, you started talking a little bit so how did you get hooked up with where you're at now Actually, it was a neighbor of mine, like she just always people when I was at the mall, like, I don't know if that made me feel good or bad. They were like, what you doing here? You have a master degree and you speak four languages. What are you doing here? And I was like, well, I am learning how things are and I'm waiting for my opportunity, you know, and at the same time, you can't really like just stay and wait. You got to work, you got to make a living. So I don't mind it. You got to do whatever it takes. Yeah. So one of these people, a neighbor of mine, she's like, you know what? My mother-in-law, she works for IHS market and yeah. she's in sales and I'm just give me your resume. I'll give it to her and then let's see what happens. And she was a very, very nice lady. Robin Fernandez is her name. She got my resume and she actually even helped me correct it because my English at the time wasn't even that good. And she's no. like, I'm going to just correct it for you and I'm going to send it around. I was like, great. I mean, good people, you know, like I've had a great experience in Texas. People are very helpful. So she sends my resume in many places. She sends it. One of the places that we're looking for people was a new lab that was just opened. Premier Oil Field Group is called Now. But yeah. at the time, I don't know if you know, you for sure know it. Yeah, I have a good friend of mine, Justin Vandenbrink, who works over at Premier. Yeah, I know Justin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. very nice guy for sure. Yeah, he is definitely. Yep. Okay. So I started my adventure there. When I went for the interview, they were like, in the email, they were saying, we're looking for a geologist. And when I was reading, I was like, well, I'm a chemist, but let me go give it a shot. Like, it's an opportunity. I'm not going to say say no to it. Mm -hmm. So I go to the interview and they're like, look, we're actually looking for a lab technician. Like, we know you have a master's degree, but would you mind? And I was like, the way I was thinking, I was like, this is a new company. It's growing. This is an opportunity. Try it out. But I set a deadline. I was like, I'm now three months. And then you really need to like get promoted or do something or get somewhere you know yeah always is the way to have a goal because if you put a deadline you can actually achieve it easier and yeah. faster most definitely yep do so, you write these down or do you just keep them stored inside your head this story i mean no like when you talk about like you had a deadline right mm -hmm. like you told yourself do you have sort of a journal or something that you keep track of all these or do you just in thought knowing i just had it in thought at the time okay but now i have a journal like as, as you grow as you learn more and you meet people like you for example like today <laughs> yeah. i learned something from you like every day like you learn something from people yeah so now i see it very beneficial to keep a journal but at the time it was just my mind gotcha i knew what i wanted and i just went for it Right. So I started work at the lab. I was finishing projects very quick. I got noticed. I was able to network in the company very quick because the company was small. So they noticed that I had business skills and they were saying, well, you have a technical background, you have business skills. We're opening the sales department. We want you there. Nice. Of course, I went through an interview and everything. But yeah, I landed in sales at Premier. Nice. That was my first job in oil and gas, I would say, in sales. <laughs> wow. So were you nervous, excited? And what skills did you have that you knew that gave you the confidence that you would do a good job? I was terrified. Yeah? <laughs> I was terrified. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, it's like, yeah, I have the confidence that I'll do whatever it takes. But at the same time, you need the skills. Yeah. But people that hired me, they were aware of that. Like, there was no lie. Like, hey, look at me, who I am and what can I offer? Like, they saw that I had 
I had a lot of ambition that I would fight for what I wanted. And they were like, well, we're going to help you out. You're going to get there. Because sometimes people see the attitude, see different things. They like they can teach you the skills. Yes. So yeah, I started to just hang on different people, like learn from them. And one of my ex-colleagues, and he's actually another mentor of mine, it's good to always have different mentors and to have different mentors with different background because they can yes. bring, bring different things in the table. His name is Ed Fifik, still works there. He always was in my side. And he, when he met, met me for a lot of experience, of course, he's been in sales forever. And when he met me for the first time, he's like, you have what you can teach to people. Hmm. What does that mean? I think what he meant is that I had no fear. Yeah. It's like you can go and talk to anybody and you are not scared of anything. <laughs> I was like, like you're not scared of getting a no for an yeah. answer, let's say. So where does that come from? Like having that mindset? I know, maybe because of my background, like, the way I, I was raised, like, and my mother, she always taught me to fight for what I want. And coming from a place as Albania that women are not very much respected, honestly. Okay. Now things are different, but I'm talking about my generation. Mm -hmm. You have to really learn how to stand up for yourself. And really, like, be like, here it's me. Here is what I want. And yes. pretty much, I don't care if you are a man or whatever. I'm going to ask for what I deserve. Yes. Of course, it's different in sales, but it's where it starts the personality that I have. Like, And yeah. she always taught me, don't expect anything from others. Right. You want something, go get it. Wow. That's such a powerful statement because here in the US and North America, a lot of times, there's a lot of entitlement. People feel like just because they are who they are or because they're connected to certain people, things should just automatically fall on their lap. And so I think it's important for folks like yourself to express, you know, and a quote that I read and I always remember, and I'm not to reference you as this, but they say assholes always get what they want because they're not afraid to ask for it. And it's interesting because people who, you know, do achieve greater things in life tend to not be afraid of rejection. They're not afraid of, of hearing no. They're always willing to ask for what they want. And if they don't get it, what's the worst case scenario? They're no further behind than what they were before. So the upside is far greater than just sitting there and being comfortable and not asking for what you want. So that's something, a mindset that I've always had is if I want something, just ask for it and out of respect. And if you can justify as to why you think you deserve it or you can leverage whatever it is that you've built your case around then you'd be silly not to. And so, yeah. I, it's I, why you are successful in sales. <laughs> and not only in sales. Like, sure. you, you help everybody around you. Yeah. And that's admirable. Yeah. And I appreciate the compliment, but more so about yourself. And so you're not afraid of rejection. You're not afraid of hearing no. How important is that, especially as a woman in oil and gas? And do you think that a lot of women who otherwise don't maybe have that confidence or skill set what would you tell them to start maybe thinking about developing that mindset? Because not everyone comes from where you came from, right? So for you, it, it might just be in your DNA through the environment that you grew up in. But yeah, like what would you have any sort of words of encouragement for, of for course, women out there? What I would say is, like you said in the beginning, everyone is unique. Everyone has their own skills. Mm -hmm. And what I believe in, like in general, is that all of us, like at the moment that, 
we're created. We're given a certain skills and a certain potential. And our job is to actually like reach this full potential. And once we do that, we can actually bring something great to this world, to the people around us, to people we work with, our families. Like that's like the main, the main, I would say goal or whatever you can call it, that every person, human being should have, like reach that potential and really help. So I would say for the women specifically, just understand what you really want. And at the moment that you understand what you really want, fight for it. Never give up. Like, don't let anybody to tell you that you are not capable of. No, mm. you are capable of that and more and more. Whatever you want, you can make it happen. Will take a lot of work? Yes. Will take a lot of growth, study, learning, whatever it takes. You just got to be willing to put the work. But never, don't give up. That's mm. the only thing I can say. Don't give up. Because you're going to be faced with a lot... With a lot of people, I had people and they never believed in me. People that told me you are never going to make it. And I'm not saying I've made it. No, there is so much more that we grow every day. We will learn every day. Like it's never a making it. Right. But don't let these people put you down. Mm. Just keep fighting and keep believing in yourself. How awesome. That's powerful. What excites you most about what you're doing at your current role? And how important has it been to learn the technical side of what you do? So, like I said, I started the journey in oil and gas, and even that I have a master's degree in chemistry, I never really got to practice practice chemistry or practice like the technical part of my degree. But the experience at Premier, working at the lab, really helped, and then learning as much as I could from the people, from the clients, from everybody around me really helped. So, I'll go just, let's say like the last year I've been with Tartan Completions, mm-hmm. it's a downhole tool completions company. Yeah. And whenever I I was deciding, should I go and work for them? I was like, they needed someone in Houston. They didn't really had anyone here. So it was kind of like a role that I had to make it. It's kind of like having your own business, no technical support, no other supports. You just, they give you the keys and they're like, you go and you figure it out. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's typical for oil and gas. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I asked actually Ed Fifik, my, my other mentor at the time, and I'm like, what should I do? And he's like, Romina, sometimes bigger challenge, higher reward. So it's like, try yeah. it out. Right. I'm like, you know what? I accept the challenge. <laughs> I'm doing it. Yeah. So yeah, I started my adventure with Tartan. I wasn't sound technically at the time. I didn't know much about completions for not saying not at all. And I was like, okay, I know at least I like people. That's the thing that I would say is my biggest skill. Like I like people. I like being around them. I like helping them. Mm-hmm. And that's not a work for me. That's like come naturally. And I think it's why I really like being in sales because I have the opportunity to actually do that, really like help my clients and bring solutions and bring something in the table for them. Yeah. So I started just to understand how the business works, where I need to be involved. And one of the biggest things was SPE, Society of Petroleum Engineers. I was like, you know what? I want to volunteer with them. That way I can learn and that way I can serve the industry as well. So I started to volunteer. I volunteer with four different groups of the Gulf Coast section. Wow. Yep. I see it. People ask why it's a lot of work. How do you do it? And I'm like, I just combine it with my daily work. Like that's a part of it. Like... We make these events like luncheons every month and then we have the symposiums, big events once a year. Yeah. But that's that's very rewarding. Like you are making something happen. You are bringing something in the table. You ask your clients, you're like, for example, last night we're in a golf tournament and Sean Roserfield, he's a completion engineer, 
right now is not working. So I was like, hey, come and volunteer with me at the completion and production study group. Like, I need someone that is very sound technically, so you can really tell me what this industry is looking for right now. What are the problems? What we need to bring to the table? Mm-hmm. And he's like, sure. And actually, I just got an email from him in the morning, like emailing me some ideas. Yeah. So that's the way I want to like do it. Like, it's not just like have these events because sometimes it's about like, hey, let's have these events and have the visibility and make it kind of businessy. Right. It's not about that. It's like really what can you bring to the table that can help this industry to be better? Yeah. And it's that's that's my goal wow. for sure. So you, you said you volunteer with SPE and there's other places you volunteer as well, don't you? Yeah, I'm with SPE, but I'm with four different groups. It's Women in Energy. Oh, that's right. Of okay. SPE, yeah. yeah. We just had the big congress on January 31st. How was that? It was very successful. Good. We're happy. We got really good feedback. Okay. And I appreciate your support too. You help with marketing a lot, OGG and help with marketing. That yeah. Was, that, was, that was great. That's the least I can do. Appreciate yeah, that. For sure. And so there's that's that one, and then there's three other ones? Uh, three other ones. It's wow. the Permian Basin Study Group. That study group is more focused on the Permian Basin operators. Okay. Like more what's going on there. And then is the completion and production group of the Gulf Coast. I am more, I would say, I don't like saying that because people sometimes are like, hey, with which group do you volunteer more? Yeah. But the way I see it is like, which group does need, need more help? Gotcha. So I would say completion and production group, I feel probably because of my discipline, because I'm in completions and they needed more help, I'm more involved with that. Yes. And then it's the West Side group. I would say completion and production and West Side kind of have the same things going on. Okay. So it might be a merger in the future too, but we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. That's just an idea. I understand. It's just an idea. Well, let's talk a little bit about diversity amongst the workplace. Even since you've started, have you noticed a difference that are more women entering oil and gas And are you starting to see that more of a focal point about making sure that, you know, we promote diversity amongst, you know, amongst the oil and gas industry? Yeah, definitely. At least I'll talk about the two years that I've been in the industry. Mm -hmm. I have seen even like the difference between two years ago and now, the percentage is way higher. I see more women like coming in the oil and gas industry is more diversity. I could tell from the women in energy Congress Mm -hmm. that we had. There was so much diversity, women from different countries like Algeria, Nigeria and different places in America. They were so eager to like come and learn about, like inspire first. They wanted to get inspired how they can empower themselves with these tools to actually like be successful in this work environment. Yeah. And what surprised me the most was surprise, not really surprise. I would say I was happy to see that there were many men that they were actually supporting that. Good. Like how the oil and gas industry is evolving, it's really nice to see it. And there are big companies as well that they support that. Like yep. starting from the sponsorship they give and things that they make happen. Like it's just like we're really having all the means to make the change. All it takes is for us to keep pushing and put ourselves out there and not take no as for an answer, I'd say. Wow. And it sounds like you're leading the way in that. So <laughs> a, a huge pat on the back for you. I'm sure you're extremely motivating for a lot of women out there. And actually, when we met, you were showing me just in this example, someone reached out to you and you gave them some words of encouragement and you made their day. And I could tell that put like the biggest smile on your face. So she, she made my day. Like, yeah, just, I didn't do anything too much. I just motivated her like regularly, like how I would talk to anybody. And she's like, yeah. You made my day. Like it was like breathing of fresh air. Yeah. I was like, well, you have no idea. You made my day, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, like helping others and serving others and giving more than what you take, 
will always lead to happiness. And so it sounds like you're on that right track. We're coming close to 45 minutes, so I want to respect your time. Do you have any daily habits or routines that kind of help keep you sort of refreshed and not necessarily always so engaged with oil and gas? Like what, what does Romina do for fun outside of the busy, busy? <laughs> if you asked me this probably two years ago, I would say I don't do anything else, just work. <laughs> <laughs> just work, okay. But you can't really do that. I realized like that you run out of fuel if you just do that all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's important we take care of ourselves. What I do, I practice yoga. I practice hot yoga every day. It's been, it's been a year that I practice yoga and that has changed my life. Wow, how made, so? Made me more focused. Like my mind is more clear and gives me the energy that I need to actually like proceed in my day and reaching my goals. Wow. So it's very important. Like it's the connection. Like I'm not saying this, people say this. Like it's a healthy body, healthy mind. It needs to be connected. Yes. I do a lot of meditation as well. Goes well with yoga. So sure. why not? Yeah. And of course, spend time with my family, spend time with friends. You need to have a balance, life balance, work balance. It's important because yeah. career is not something that is for five years, for 10 years. It's something that's going to go on all your life. So you got to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And it's why you need to like really combine it with your, with your life and make it happen. Yes, yes. So at what point did you realize that you couldn't just work 24-7 and that you needed an outlet and, and something else to help, you know, just feel fulfilled? Like, where did you finally realize that? When I actually got burnt out. Okay. <laughs> I'll say that. Like, you, you reach, I'm sure everyone probably reached that point. Like, yeah. I was just overwhelming and I could tell that I wasn't in my peak performance. I'm like, it's something I need to change. It's something I'm not doing right and I need to do something. So I went actually to... A Tony Robbins is a big motivator. A lot of people should know. Yeah, I've read a couple of his books and obviously I've heard him speak and stuff like that just on the internet and YouTube and stuff. So I, I have a lot a of respect too. for him. Yeah, that's right. He yeah. does. Yeah. Okay. So I went to his seminar. That was just last year. Like I would say I've been motivated for a long time, but that is kind of like a different boost. Yeah. Let's say like one of the things that biggest thing I did there is I walked on a fire. And that to me means if you can walk on a fire, you can do anything. What? It's how you beat your fears. And you, yeah. of course, he talks about like good habits as well, like healthy habits, what we need to do to like really be better, mm -hmm. like in general, like, like a human being, like to actually reach that big performance, like full potential. Mm -hmm. It comes like a package. It's not just like your career. It's not just you look good. It's like... It's your mind, your body, what you bring in the table, how you help people around you. Like, yeah, it's a package. Hmm, that's fascinating. You know, a lot of people sort of make fun of folks like that that do the motivational speaking and they get on stage and they jump around. And <laughs> but I mean, you went and you did it, you experienced it, and you said it, and you would say that it helped you, huh? It did. It did. Like I told you before, Justin. Like there are so many free things around. Like it's probably like I'm not trying to promote a seminar or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But people need to just find what works for them. Yep, that's and exactly. That, yeah, that worked for me and I don't regret it that I did it. Awesome. Well, I have one last question. Is there a message you'd like to relay assuming everyone in energy is listening right now? Is there anything? I mean, you've obviously given a lot of good advice, but just to sum it all up, what would you say to the world? You mean just the oil and gas industry or just to the world in general? <laughs> Let's go with the world. I normally say energy, but I feel like I think you have a good message for anybody out there. What would it be? Be real. Be real. Understand who you are, what you want, and 
too good, do good in this world. Like no matter what you do, like bring something good in the table. That's if we all do that a little bit every day, the mm -hmm. world gonna be better. Awesome, I love it. And I certainly appreciate you coming on the show. I'm excited to see where you go. You've literally put your toe in the water of your career and what you're gonna set out and do. And so keep doing what you're doing. It's super motivating, even for someone like myself, and I'm sure all the listeners out there can take something away from this. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity today. Yeah. I really appreciate this. Like yeah. I've told you many times, like, I don't know why you wanted me here, but <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank for you. For exactly what you did and just encouraging people to help others and serve others and always be you know willing to give more than you take. That's what it's all about. And so, and that's exactly what you're doing. So you. before we log off here, I'd like to take a moment to tell everyone about some OGGN upcoming events. Hi everybody, Alex here with the events on deck. So obviously we are in uh, unprecedented times right now and have been unable to carry out our last couple of happy hours that we had scheduled for last month. We have chosen to delay them and we'll continue to update you on when exactly we will be able to have those events again. Obviously we're following along the recommended guidelines of the CDC and the World Health Organization. So we're really looking forward to seeing you and we're hoping that these events are going to happen sooner rather than later. But for now, stay tuned and we will keep you posted on those dates. Also, just want to say thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to Oil & Gas Global Network. We are fortunate to already have been a virtual company before the coronavirus and all of these issues started plaguing various countries. And we just want to continue bringing you guys the best information and to the best of our ability, keep you informed, especially while everyone is at home or at least most more people than ever before are at home. So we just would like to thank you for continuing to tune in and continuing to listen. And we hope that everyone is staying safe and we wish everyone the best. And thanks again. Awesome. Thank you. And anyone out there in the Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey, come join the Hack and Whack crew for some old timer hockey. We do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. And if you're looking to get in shape over the spring into summer, visit KTX Fit in Katy, Texas and get a free trial by telling one of the coaches that I sent you. Again, thanks so much for joining me. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to get to know more about yourself or the stuff that you're involved with, just anything? What's the best way? I'll say my LinkedIn okay. is the best way. Perfect. I always check my LinkedIn. Okay, we'll yeah. put your LinkedIn link in the show notes. That way people can click it and then awesome. reach out to you. And that's a wrap. Always remember, when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.